Yep. Yeah, I, I get it. And trust me, that it happened. Hello and welcome to episode number 229 of Grumpy Old Ben's Wednesday, August 2nd, 2023. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I may have ants, but I still believe that Google is the best company on the face of the earth. Prove me wrong. And from America's left coast, where if you want to know what Western governments are thinking, look at what the Chinese government is doing. I'm Ryan Bimrose. Yeah, they want to take your kids and they don't want them on the internet. I was applauding that one. Well, they also want to take your Teslas. Oh, well, see, fuck Which, Tesla. Fuck all electric cars. Let's go back to gasoline the way it was meant to be. Oh, no, no. You you would be a poor regulator in Europe. I'll tell you that much. Probably. I did like that somebody did the math and they're like, well, with the minerals that are needed to make the electric cars, the in the long run, they're probably more of a hit to carbon emissions than gasoline-powered yeah. no, running no, on no gas. Matter, no matter what your measure is for, you know, determining green, and, and the goalposts on what is green and environmentally friendly keep moving, of course, but no matter what your metric is, whether it is uh, using up limited resources on Earth, because, you know, everybody's pretty much abandoned the idea of peak oil. We're not ever going to run out of oil in our current civilization, but right. you know, so people don't talk about that anymore. We will, in fact, run out of cobalt and lithium. So electric cars are bad that way. Um, if instead you want to go for carbon emissions, then all, um, the moment that you include all of the fuel and energy required to mine and process that ore <laughs> is far more than it takes to scoop some coal or out of the ground or pump some petroleum. You might call all of that a very inconvenient truth. Yes. One might in fact say that, uh, the actual story that I had thought about starting was, uh, the, okay. First of all, how are you familiar with the world university games? I am not. Is this I'd like never an heard Olympic this, game thing? Apparently it's a big thing. Uh, put on by FISU, the International University Sports Federation. I I don't know. I've never heard of these guys, but apparently it's put on every two years and it's basically Olympic Games for 17 to 25 year olds. I, 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 I'm trying to figure out if we're being gaslighted here or if I really haven't been paying attention because right. everything that I found this year, uh, the World University Games are currently being held like uh, next month. In Chengdu, uh, I I probably butchered that name, but it's a city in China, and um, I've never heard of these games. But apparently, they've been going on since 1940 something. <laughs> Wikipedia has a very long article about how uh, they've been, you know, they're world renowned, and everybody wants to compete there. And you know, when people finish with the World University Games, they end up. You know, once they get too old or they've turned 25, that's when they become Olympic performers instead. And 
then there was a thing that said, by the way, they're not called the Olympics of the, you know, some people call them the Olympics of young people or whatever, but they can't be called that because the IOCC will not let them use the term Olympic, which was a controversy. Like there's a history here. And I'm just wondering, was all this just made up last year? It would seem again. They have at the very least, they have a marketing problem because I'm 53 years old. And if this has been going on every two years throughout my lifetime, never heard about it. Yeah, <laughs> they're not really broadcasting or advertising it very well, I think. No, I mean, every two years, especially it's like that. You would have thought maybe. Well, apparently it is a big deal this year. And uh, the World University Games are coming to Chengdu. And it's so big that Chairman Xi is going to be there in person Woo. to preside over something or other in the games. And that's where I get my Tesla story because uh, reports are coming out via the kind of social media that I think that the Chinese communist government would probably still prefer not be posted on uh, that people who drive Teslas are being stopped at the city and or borders saying we're not allowing this type of car in for the games. Oh, now all electric cars are just Teslas. Well, I, I think they're just, well, the story is just about Tesla. Uh, I don't know. You know, the state of reporting, they might not, this is from fortune and the reporter might not actually know that there are electric cars other than Tesla. Can't say that for sure. But the story is that they're blocking Tesla and uh, the reason, and again, absolutely nothing official from the government. So a lot of this is gleaned from social media or uh, uh, overheard hearsay conversations with authorities, whoever the authorities are, cops, whatever, you know, people who will, you know, if you don't do what they say, they'll call cause all kinds of violence on you and the state is okay with it. Um, saying that the reason is because the Tesla's not because electric cars for any reason per se, but because the Tesla's are mobile surveillance platforms. Oh, uh, because the Teslas have cameras everywhere. They do. Uh, the cameras are pretty much always on. The cameras are pretty much always uploading footage to, to uh, where's Palo Alto, wherever the Tesla, somewhere in Silicon Valley. Aren't American. most of these vehicles doing this though? Or is it Tesla I, unique in that? I, I think Tesla is unique. Well, Tesla is not unique. It's outstanding because they build a, they started out as a tech company who later decided to staple wheels on it. Most of the other electric vehicles <laughs> are from car companies who were like, well, let's stick a smartphone in the console. So I think Tesla is way ahead of them in surveillance. But anything that has the the full self-driving packages with a thousand sensors is probably going to be, for whatever reason, the, the authorities in Chengdu are saying we don't want these mobile surveillance platforms that are sending data back to America to be in our games. And they say it's for the security of the, uh, what the hell is, is she's title prime minister, president, whatever emperor. Yeah. God for life. Yeah. I don't whatever know. works. Yeah. Do they really just want to try to get Elon to put TikTok on all the Teslas by default now? Is that maybe the deal they're looking for? I don't feel like this would be the way to do it. <laughs> Elon's got a lot of freaking data coming in. Besides, it wouldn't be TikTok. It would be X. Well, no, but I mean, China would want TikTok on the uh, the Teslas. Oh, yes. Yes, they would. But yeah, I, now I've got this image of every single time that the 
the AI in the Tesla discovers something, it tweets. That would be like, well, now it's Xing. Is it Xing? Just drove by a bird. Drove X-ing. by a fire hydrant. Yeah. Oh, there's a pedestrian. Well, it could have photos. It could upload them. You could see everything going on everywhere in the world if these cars would just become a hive mind. And they may yeah. be. I mean, then you add the Starlink satellites. Then you add everything that uh, Elon's got coming in from Twitter slash X. Then you, there's a lot of data in Elon's pocket. Yeah, there is. Imagine that. Uh-huh. Big Silicon Valley, dude. Now, what I'm really the most, not really the most curious about, we've talked about it a little bit. Because I ran bulletin boards back in the day and anybody that is on a platform like Twitter, whatever it's called now, X, although the app store for Apple doesn't like that. But if you were sending a direct message to people, if you were having a conversation in the DMs thinking that was private, I wonder, <laughs> I know, no. and I wonder how much of it's, that content it's Elon encrypted on somebody else's server. Of course, it's not private. Can you imagine the amount of blackmail material that Elon would have about world leaders, all of these uh, actors, actresses, all of these very highly liberal folk? Because you know, I'm, a lot of these people were using DMs like it was secure. I'm imagining how much blackmail material Ariner has. I know on the people that are way more interesting than the global elite, which is why I never use that for any kind of a real personal messaging. You can't do it. Although, I mean, I was using the talk thing for a while and I felt that was very secure, but the pain in the assness of running that on my wife's Apple phone made me switch to signal. So I, while it wasn't a story that I clipped, there was a story this week on some new Android malware that one of the things it was doing was gaining access to people's signal accounts. So I can only imagine. Oh boy. Uh-huh. So yeah, you could think everything is safe and secure. But until no, no, no. Somebody on, on social media told me that signal is totally secure and can't be hacked. It may be until somebody hacks your phone and gets your username and password or your, whatever is being used on signal. And I will say, I understand the companies that want to go the extra route and add extra pain in the ass stuff for you to verify that you're a human, but it goes a little bit too far at times for things that I don't care about. Like, yeah, like uh, I don't need two factor authentication to log into ComEd where I pay my electric bill. If somebody else wants uh, to log in and pay my electric bill, let them. Th- this is, this is a thing that I've complained about for a really long time. And usually it takes the form of somebody who's like, you have to have a 17 character password with three uppercase, four lowercase, you know, two symbols, six demonic glyphs. And people, you know, requiring super strong passwords, requiring two factor authentication, requiring that you give a frigging phone number uh, for SMS authentication, which is stupid, but also, and then I'm like, excuse me, I'm just creating an account because you won't let me download a file without it. Right. And like, you you know, how about your security needs to be commensurate with the quality or um, value of the thing being secured? If if you're forcing me to create an account just so that I can sign into your tech support forum and ask a damn question that right. should have been in your documentation, I don't care to secure that all that well. So you get a fake email, you get a weak password. One of the uh, stories I had too, uh, which was from Torrent Freak, was how Big Bad Vlad over in Russia is outlawing anonymity. 
Oh, oh, like like the U.S. is doing with it, the digital IDs. This was my thought. Exactly. Like Europe is already doing. Exactly. And I'm like, you know, I just I was flashing back to just like a couple of weeks ago. I had a couple of different Instagram accounts that I would just fuck around with. And one of them all of a sudden was like, we need a phone number for you to access this account. No, you don't. Right. It's like, fuck you. I'm that's not <laughs> don't need the account. But it's like, this is exactly what okay. this article here's, was talking here's about. Here's a phone number. Five, 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 one, two, one, two. There's right. a phone number. Congratulations. Right. So they have to be able to text the number and they will not accept, you know, Google voice numbers and all of this. So it's like, don't tell me that this isn't business as usual for all these Silicon Valley companies already to be like, oh, you want to be able to post on Instagram? We need to verify your identity. So the fact that it's happening in Russia, not really a big surprise. It's already yeah. happening. Every, I mean, China's ahead of the game. Oh yeah. But everybody else wants to catch up because this is where you go when you got the psychotic lefties who are like, hate speech, hate speech. Well, then you have to know who's saying it in order to punish them. So they're all in. On well, you. eliminating anonymity is one of the important steps to being able to control what people speak, which as any good radical knows, is the first step in controlling what people think. Yes, well, it makes it a lot harder, even if they can't control what you think, for you to get your message out there, because if you say the wrong thing. Yeah, and, and anonymity is actually one of the most critical and important and necessary aspects of freedom in the world, period. You, If, if you eliminate anonymity, you are effectively eliminating, you're cutting freedom off at the ankles because the moment that you can attach an attribution to every single thing said is the point where you're, if you are say, I don't, I don't want to give any governments lessons on how to oppress people, but the moment that you can attach attribution to every idea spoken, it becomes really, really easy to persecute the people who speak ideas that you don't like. <sighs> okay. You know, and I, I don't even have a problem when it comes down to social media. If there was something, you know, like Elon's got his multicolored check marks over on X, which he inherited from Twitter. Now, I have no problem having different levels that would show, hey, this person decided on their own to verify who they are. Sure. So there's that level. So if you only want to follow people who have verified who they are, you're free to do that. I, I, and, and if I may try to characterize that, authentication goes both ways. You attaching a reputation to an idea can boost it if the reputation is good and can detract from it if the reputation is bad. And the only way you can let an idea stand is if you have the choice to decide whether or not you want to attach a person to it. Because as soon as you attach a person, then everything, you know, this is, this is what leftists feed on is uh, they cannot consider an idea. If, I mean, the, the root of critical race theory and, and diversity ideology is you cannot consider an idea without also attaching a person to it because that way what you think of the idea is determined by what you think of the person, which is why anonymity is so scary to a person who needs to know, like, 
I don't know what to think about this idea unless I know that it was said by a black person or not. Right. Or was it said by Hitler? Yeah, exactly. But I'm afraid. You know, like, just look at anybody who, if you start quoting from, say, Information Society in its future, which was a prophetic piece of uh, essay, it predicted exactly what's happening with social media, but you can't name it to somebody who knows. And you certainly can't name the author, even if there's somebody who doesn't know that publication, because the moment that you say, oh, you know, it was done by Ted Kaczynski. They're like, oh, well, I'll ignore everything in it because the guy who did it also blew, you know, tried to blow some people up. Right. Well, that's true. And he's probably not in a good place right now. Because of that act. But meanwhile, the guy was a goddamn genius who predicted 30 years ahead what was going on in the world today. And you can't. You can't discard that just because his methods were awful. Well, and you see the bias when the man on the street bit and a lot of people do it. They go out and they have three or four whatever quotes and they or ideas or policy if it comes to politicians. And they kind of be like, well, okay, I want to get your opinion on a few things that Donald Trump said. And they say the four things and every one of them, the people on the street are like, ah, no, I disagree with that. Totally. No, that's horrible. Oh, no. And then at the end, right. It was Obama. Right. That's the kicker. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Did I say these were a Trump quotes? No, these were Obama quotes there and or Biden quotes. Oh, and then people are like, it doesn't work with Biden quotes, because if if they're coherent, then, you know, it wasn't Biden or at least not the current Biden. Yeah. Banana pudding (laughs) airplane fall. That's what so granddaughter. uh, I I was going to finish up with the Tesla thing. Uh, Apparently, and this is something I, I, I always go into rabbit holes when I try to do research on some things like this, apparently for years, and this is a a problem that the Tesla company is trying to appease the Chinese government to try to fix is that Tesla cars have been banned from Chinese military facilities for a long time. Uh, they are outright banned in uh, by, by Daihi. Uh, I, I guarantee I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, the resort town that hosts Communist Party retreats, just straight up no Teslas ever allowed in there. Um, I, and this, again, is all due to the spying capability of the cars with their... That's the rumor cameras uh, you know, internet i mean do these do the teslas do they do they talk to starlink i mean what do they what do they do here i i imagine you know they might be kind of like uh uh, t- um, uh wi-fi enabled tvs from a year ago or uh, 10 years ago that yeah. when you know when they can't find a cell network then they try to connect to wi-fi if they can't find wi-fi then they try to uh, you know, hijack the neighbor's Wi-Fi. If the neighbor's Wi-Fi has a password, they send agents to the neighbor's kid's school to, uh, <laughs> uh, that was, that was an XKCD coming. Um, I don't think it's just because they're mobile surveillance platforms, although that's probably the more important reason. But uh, the other thing you got to remember about some of these electric cars is they're also bombs. Well, this is true. This <laughs> is true. Those batteries um, can be very dangerous. Just, just for shits and giggles, I went ahead and did a Bing News search for Tesla Fire this morning and found four hits in the last seven days, uh, including. Uh, OK, so w- one of them was a Tesla caught fire after hitting a piece of road debris. I don't think they're supposed to do that. Wait, um, no, that's not part of the uh, system that. Helps. No, no. They, they, but there were also a couple of them like I, it's 
we're getting to the point now where it's not just, oh, these things catch fire at a moment's notice. There's also, uh, you know, they catch fire for totally legitimate reasons. And then, oh, no, a car fire it was really bad. And yes, I get it. When a gas fire burns out, you run out of the contents of the tank and then you're pretty much done. Uh, when a electric battery car burns out, you're you're looking at, at six days of burning unless the fire department has special equipment. Well, and it's putting okay. out some pretty bad fumes from that fire as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're breathing all of that uh, cobalt and lithium that it took a lot of energy to mine. Mm. Um, but I, I just want to, say getting on the bandwagon of, Oh, electric cars are bad because they burn. I found two stories that I just wanted to pull up. One was, uh, three days ago from Salt Lake city, Utah, um, three people dead after Tesla hits a tree. There was a picture of a tree that had just been blasted, huge scorch mark in the area. Uh, really scary. Look how awful these electric cars were buried very, very deep in the article was, uh, we believe speed may have been a factor. As far as we can tell, the car was doing over 80 miles an hour when it hit the tree. Well, I'm sorry. Any car will freaking do that when you hit it at 80 miles an hour. Yes. Well, yeah, the, Teslas are not unique and they're also not designed to be able to survive that. <laughs> no. And um, they bury the lead so often. Yeah. Or uh, another one. This one wasn't a buried lead, but it was also a follow-up story. Uh, about two weeks ago, there was a Tesla fire where uh, police had initially determined that and, and reported to the guy's insurance that, oh, the Tesla just spontaneously caught fire. It was at a charging station. And uh, it, it was apparently left overnight on the charging station, which I guess you're not supposed to do. And uh, the big fire damaged the charging station. This was uh, Spokane, Washington. And uh, the police had determined initially that it spontaneously burned. So the owner went and got the camera footage from Tesla, reviewed the footage and saw in the middle of the night, a guy coming and pouring gasoline all over the car. No. And came back and the police were like, well, this is a surprising uh, development. I guess it wasn't spontaneous. Wait, so they thought they said it was a spontaneous thing. And somebody torched the car. Yeah, they had concluded that the Tesla just caught fire on its own. And, wow. And the owner goes back because because the insurance company is like, well, we're not going to cover you because they, and the owner's like, wait a minute. The, the, my car doesn't do this. I'm, you know, I, I don't know how he knew this, but. I guess he's keeping him maintained, whatever. And uh, he's like, I'm going to review this. And he discovers this guy pouring gasoline and torching his car and goes back to the cops and says, you guys, you guys are idiots. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is because nobody wants to look any further. They're like, well, it's an electric car. It must have just blown up. Yeah. And, you know, I... I will jump on the bandwagon of these lithium ion, you know, gigantic lithium ion batteries going at highway speeds are not terribly safe. I mean, they're even marginally less safe than having a large tank of petrol moving at freeway speed. So what are you going to do? But like, like when, I don't know. I just look at this and go, you, you, you screwed up. You said it was spontaneous because you're trying to feed a narrative. Maybe I don't know. You're like, oh, electric cars always blow up, so we don't have to look further. Well, right. This was arson. Yeah. Now yeah. stop would be, bullshitting. And like you have to. Know, well, one, you want to know what the uh, the possibilities are with your vehicle. Like we just got a uh, not a vehicle, but we just got the backup 
sump pump put in because once you flood twice, you buy the backup sump pump with the battery yeah. and all that. Or you move to higher ground. Yes. But I know rational people <laughs> hardly want to or consider that. Well, that would have cost more to move. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the battery that comes with these things or that is used with these things is pretty much a car battery. And sure. it's like, well, you want to put this in a well-ventilated area. So, of course, it was put into a closet. So that's. Uh, yeah. But I think, you know, from what I've read, it's fine as long as it's not airtight and as long as the pump isn't constantly running, all that kind of a thing. But it's like, you You have to know these things. The lead acid battery is a a pretty well understood technology to the point where these things are, they don't spontaneously go up. They don't have, you know, they've got a lot of energy density, but they're not going to self-ignite. And as long as you don't puncture it, you're probably fine. And even if you puncture it, it's going to let out some gases you don't want to breathe. But it's not it's not like a lithium ion where you drive a nail into the thing and suddenly you've lit the fuse. Right. But it's like, you know, hey, you got to know what you're dealing with. And a lot of people don't. Most people don't read the manuals on things. No, Uh, I do. I do also have some uh, uh, European Union regulation. If you want to finish up with uh, electric car stuff. Ooh. Or we could move on. Enjoy electric car oh, stuff. Shit! What the fuck did I just do? What? What's going on? Oh, what? my entire notes file just became impossible to read. I was scrolling up. Was and it down converted and, to Chinese? No, I was scrolling up and down and and uh, put my coffee cup down and it hit the control key while I was scrolling and suddenly all my text was one point font. <laughs> it's very very small. <laughs> Sorry, Sir Bemrose <laughs> needs bifocals. Maybe trifocals. Oh, does. Benrose is now getting old enough that his eyesight is going bad. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, not only can I not see colors, but now I can't see small text. Yeah. Um, which, right, I mean, I'm, I'm working on, I've got the, the reading glasses on underneath the headphones, which is, co- of course, after two hours, extremely uncomfortable, but it makes me grumpy. So, so it works for this show. Yeah, it helps for the show. Um, the European Council has adopted uh, their alternative fuel infrastructure regulation. And I got a little bit to say about this regulation. Uh, you know, the first of which is, is it really an alternative if it's being mandated by a government? Because as you know, all government activity is or all ultimately enforced at gunpoint. Is I, I, I'm not feeling like there's a lot of alternatives. It's more like do this or else. I mean, but, you're allowed uh, to break the law, but then they're going to put you in the clink. Yeah, there there are consequences usually enforced at gunpoint. So starting in 2025, uh, the regulation and I'm I'm not sure how exactly to say this. Um, the regulation requires that fast recharging stations quote need to be installed every 60 kilometers a- along European Union's trans-European transport network (TEN-T) network which I guess is Europe's uh, version of the interstate highway system. Um, It's, I mean, it's a pretty big network, but every 60 kilometers, which is what, about 35 miles ish. uh, One of these fast recharging stations needs to be installed and needs to be installed is the first big red flag to me because it's written in the passive voice. And that is always, Like it tells me that you've got activist politicians when something, when they write a law in the passive voice, because, uh, oh, 
Fast recharging stations must be installed, need to be installed. What, what, Where? Installed by who? Right. That's the Who's question. Who's going to run it? What's going to happen? Things don't just, you can't just legislate and suddenly uh, something happens. That's like, that's like Congress going out and saying, we will that an extra $10 trillion become available. Okay. That actually does work, but that's because they're people. Well, you can are- print up that $10 trillion coin and then it's fine. Yeah. Well, and, and that's. A law that says the Federal Reserve shall print a $10 trillion coin is has an actor and an action being mandated. Done. But just saying we're going to allocate, you know, we're going to decide that $10 trillion now exists. Well, okay, but how? Who do, and and uh, money is kind of a terrible analogy for that because the European Union is now saying uh, by will of edict from the European Council, there are going to be charging stations every 60 kilometers on the highways. Now, in Europe, I have no idea how that is compared to the United States, where we have the capitalist system, where gas stations are owned by individuals and companies. How is the normal gas station thing done in Europe. Are they have a bunch of places owned by the government or is this all a free market thing? Does anybody Well, in the parts of Europe that have ever heard of the word capitalism, um, fueling stations are the same way they're done in any capitalist society where a person sees that there's no fueling station there. They put their life savings into building a building with a tank and some pumps. Right. And they put up a service station and then they operate the business. That's that's capitalism. And as far as I'm aware, you know, for the better part of half a century, most of Europe kind of tried to operate as a capitalist society. And so I have to imagine service stations are like that. And I do also know, because there was regulation uh, about service station operators, that a lot of service stations have installed EV charging stations at their service station. But I guess what I'm wondering is, is the EU council telling, hey, everybody who operates a service station has to do this? Or are are they going to like hold a lottery and choose random citizens and say, you, you are going to start a service station in this spot on the highway because there it's 60 kilometers from the last one. Right. How are they doing that? Or is the government going to go in and just nationalize, uh, internationalize all charging stations from now on is, is charging in the European union going to be an entirely government uh, run thing? Well, if there's Uh, enough electric vehicles, then these stations would want to have the capability to charge them because it would be a moneymaker. If, if you let capitalism do its thing, then there would become enough because everywhere that there is a need, somebody will slide in. But it doesn't happen immediately. It doesn't happen uh, by 2030, which, by the way, this regulation says it starts in 2025 that they are going to need to install things. And by 2030, it has to have happened. OK, well, <laughs> the ca- capitalism doesn't work on a timetable just because you ask it to. Well, then what do you do if there's a hundred kilometers where there is none? Then how do you force it? Well, I, like I said, I, I guess there's three possibilities I see. One is that the government sets up a station that's government run. Uh, Two is that you find some poor schmuck who has the ability to start a service station and say, you slave, you're doing business here now. Uh, Or three the EU council is full of a bunch of delusional motherfuckers who have never 
who don't acknowledge that just because you say something needs to happen doesn't automatically make it happen. In the troll room, NetNed says, our wonderful dumb bitch governor. I One, we all know you're in Michigan. So that's Governor Whitmer. Yeah. Whitmer. As opposed to all the other dumb bitch governors, like your dumb bitch governor in Illinois or my dumb bitch governor in Washington. Jay fucking Inslee and Jay fucking Pritzker. Oh, yeah. Jay fucking group. I, by the way, had to go back. And after you told me that it was covered, I had to go back and listen to the Planet Rage where Larry brought the Inslee clips on climate change. It it triggered me all over again. I wanted to go on Battle of the Douchebags again. That fucking guy. That was anyway, one hell of a segment, too. I'll tell you. It was. And Larry, I mean, he Larry can bring the rage. Let me tell you. Yeah. But uh, NetNet says that the, uh, the dumb bitch governor that he has had two electric vehicle chargers installed at the governor's residence for a million bucks on a no bid contract. See, so this is how it'll work. Yeah, her, you know, her her cousin's friends are all, you know, getting the contract, of course. Yes. Brony capitalism right there. Yes. Oh, yes, we Uh-oh. need we need chargers every 60 kilometers. And guess I mean, what? If there's no bid, can you even call it capitalism? I think it's just straight cronyism. Uh-huh. Oh, no, we, we know somebody that can put these in for you that you have to yeah. have them. Yeah. And 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 the chargers themselves cost 60,000 each. But if you go ahead and pay us a cool million, we won't even tell anyone about it. <laughs> We could just plug one in somewhere. It doesn't even have to yeah. be at a service station. Yeah, you got to you got to give me a GFCI outlet somewhere. We 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 got this covered. No problem at all. This is one of the there's a lot of problems with electric vehicles and this is certainly one of them. The well, where are you going to charge? How long does it take to charge them? There makes yeah. the vehicles not good for crossing the country. So and- in order to make electric vehicle, you know, obviously electric vehicles running on your standard household 120, um, you know, they take longer to, they actually will use more power driving than per minute than they get charging. So you have, I mean, you have to have a lot of downtime. Um, that's why the level two, level three chargers, that's the, the European requirement says that, um, all of these have to have at least one connection that charges at 150 kilowatts which is level three charging and is pretty good i mean that's that's pretty fast charging now as soon as you get up to that level of power then you know the amount of energy being moved through a narrow little cable is such that uh there are hazards with moving that much energy but there's also hazards with pouring volatile liquid into a tank so what do you do well, and also if they're like, and I'm not sure they 100% that they are, but if they're like the batteries in cell phones, then the more current you put into them, yes, it will charge faster, but it would, will also degrade your battery faster. I think that's absolutely true, considering that the batteries in most EVs are lithium ion, which is the same batteries as in phones. Which, yes, it's very convenient to charge fast, but those batteries are not cheap to uh, change out. Oh, and speaking of, well, one of the other, when I, when I did a, a Bing search on Tesla fire, one of the other ones that popped up had nothing to do with cars. Do you remember covering a story in 2021? Uh, we covered a story about the Tesla supercharger, uh, I'm sorry, super battery bank that was installed in Australia it was, it was like a energy storage facility, a grid energy made by Tesla, which was basically a bank of tens of thousands of lithium ion cells all arranged on a property and they 
they'd run green power, wind, solar, whatever, from when you're generating it to charge up this bank of lithium ion batteries. And then when you need it during the times, like when the sun isn't out, right. um, you pipe that back into the grid. It's, it's a, you know, it, it smooths out the fact that green energy uh, doesn't generate consistently. Okay, fine. Right. I, neat idea. I think using lithium ion batteries for that is uh, it, it might be overkill, but Tesla had an entire division where they're saying, well, we're really good at making lithium ion batteries. Let's just make them for a grid in Australia, Victoria, they bought one. Well, back in 2021, they had a massive fire um, where uh, like a third of these batteries all burned down. Wow. Um, yeah. It, and it, I mean, it was a big thing because they lost a bunch of power, but all or a bunch of capacity, but also because the lithium ion battery fires are no joke. Yeah, yeah. Once they start, they're no fun. Like your, your, your average country fire department is not well equipped to fight one of these. And the, that they were able to get it out before it burned the whole thing down was kind of a miracle. And the firefighters deserve commend commendation. Well, the, one of the stories that came up when I was searching today was a few days ago, um, the investigators in Australia finally came back with the reason why this fire started. Uh, it was low on coolant because somebody had forgotten the regular maintenance of topping off the coolant. Oh, man. And okay, human error. I get human error. And I guess that takes Tesla off the hook because they're not strictly responsible anymore, maybe. But you've got a system that does that if you forget to water it. Right. Well, I mean, again, a lot of things need maintenance, which is why you have professionals in the job to take care of it. And apparently these guys weren't professional yeah, enough. I don't were, know. They were not. I mean, I get the concept because that is, that's the dream that if I could throw up some solar panels, I can't, I take way too much energy in a Chicago, which means in the winter, I wouldn't have any energy. But if you had the ability to generate your own electricity, charge up a bunch of batteries. So if, if you're going solar on the days, it's cloudy or raining. You know, if you could get a couple of days out of the batteries and then it gets sunny again, that's the dream to not have to be on the grid, but the technology is still not there where this works for we're, we're being pushed to electric cars. We're all being tied even more closely to the grid, right? Well, it's beyond even electric cars. We are being pushed to electric everything. They're going after gas stoves. They're going after yeah. any, well, anything that runs on gas. They're going after water heaters. They're going, they, there's, uh, I believe in it's too LA. easy to put a propane tank outside your house and, and be self-sufficient that way. Well, the fact that they won't put gas into new buildings, I believe in either LA or New York now, maybe other places, restaurants Seattle. are net restaurants are done. They are never fucking coming in. Cause they're like, well then sorry, we can't, we can't survive and we can't cook the way we need to with electric. It's not the same. Yeah. The, where, there was some kind of. I think you were the one who told me about this, some kind of pizza related protest with Eric Adams. Right. With the uh, libido, Scott libido. That's right. I, oh, that's right. Yes. I, I heard about it on planet rate. You know, I need to stop listening to the other shows because I never know who was talking about it. Scott libido's like, Hey, motherfuckers, they're coming after your pizza. And then so people, like, the, that's real in New York. You don't come after pizza. The other bits of this alternative fuel infrastructure regulation beyond uh, using the power of government to just will service stations into existence every 60 kilometers, uh, they are also 
uh, let's see, they're mandating that every one of these stations have uh, be able to capable of L3 charging. Um, the article that I read, uh, the well, the Verge, so I don't know, uh, but the Verge article did point out that there has been apparently some controversy in France or Germany somewhere where uh, service stations will advertise on apps that they definitely have L3 charging and somebody actually checked out and found that uh, a lot of these stations w- have have never had their L3 charging cable open. They're always like it's broken or it's out of service or something like that. Oh, it's like broadband in the U.S. Or- yeah, I imagine that people, you know, false advertising. Uh-huh. Although I don't yeah. know that uh, that's even worse though. If you if you just limp in with your electronic vehicle about out of juice and it's like, eh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. It'll be <laughs> it'll be six hours before you can get back on the road again. Yeah, no charger here. Uh-huh. I, well, and you've heard you've heard plenty of argument from me about how uh, electric vehicles are just awful for long road trips. But anyway, yeah, well, they're hor- I mean, the concept of as I believe we've talked about a few times, the concept, I believe, is the the new world order folks, the people at the top of the chain, they don't want anybody to own a vehicle. So no, this, they've got their private jets and they need all of the petroleum for themselves. Yeah, this is just another way. I mean, it'll be like yeah. you drive your car in, it's out of gas. Well, you take somebody else's car who's charged up now. Everybody just I, shares cars. I don't know the veracity of it, but somebody posted a meme on NAS with a, a bunch of WEF climate goals that are going to be absolutely necessary by 2035. And one of them was a absolute minimum we have to reduce the total car ownership to less than 130 cars per every thousand people. Holy crap. Yeah. That that was the absolute minimum. The optimum was less than 30 cars every thousand people. Do people not understand what this does to the economy? Well, the economy, your ability to move around freely. It turns us all into slaves and, and into serfs who are tied to the land and, and, beholden to our feudal lord yeah that's kind of what they want a vast majority of people although this maybe is uh really i guess if you want to look uh, at the conspiracy theory and uh i think it was my buddy from uh that, that listens to a planet rage gianni over on twitter had a tweet the other day like why are all of the uh conspiracy theories coming true <laughs> it's like <laughs> you know i think there's something to be said about because that. they were mislabeled and you because go, they are people really- who don't want People who don't want the truth to be truth or true are discrediting the truth by calling it a conspiracy theory. And then when it becomes proven true, you get, yeah, sorry. But I mean, put in the work from home bullshit. Do you think that is, it's too convenient for it not to be connected to the radical left's push to, oh no, green, green, save the planet. You can't drive. You can't do this. Well, no, you could just. You don't even have to leave your house, slave. You could just work right from your home. That would be great. I, I, hey, I work from home. I'm I'm glad I don't have a commute. Yeah, but you know, there's there's something to be said about working from home, and they're just trying to make it so you never go more than five miles away from your home. I, I agree, and I absolutely will fight for my ability to leave home when I want. But let me tell you, as somebody who commuted for more than a decade from Washington to Bellevue, Washington to Redmond, Washington. And anybody in the Seattle area knows that that 
involving Interstate 405 is absolute bitch, gridlocked half of the day, terrible, terrible trade. I, on the days that I could come up with some excuse to log in and work from home, I was much more productive and much happier. I have got a re that, that commute resulted in me arriving at work in a rage every single day because <laughs> yeah. fuck traffic that hard. Oh yeah. Now, yeah. My last now, job course, was 45 minutes to an hour each yeah. way. That's outside of my 15 minute city, of course. And in the ideal world of the slave owners at the WEF, what I should be doing is renting an apartment in Redmond so that I can work in Redmond and either walk or take the bus. Oh, that was the target. The target wasn't less than 30. Uh, the target was zero personal vehicle ownership. That was the idea. Right. But uh, <laughs> you know, one of the reasons I moved out was because I wanted to own a house. And right now my mortgage is still less than what I would have been paying for a one bedroom apartment in Redmond. So screw oh, yeah. that place. Well, yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> Absolutely not. So that's the other thing they don't want to talk about this. Oh, this convenience of living in the big city where everything is within walking distance. It's not cheap. No, it's no, not it's, at all cheap. And obviously the solution to that, if you're a government stooge is rent controls. Of course. So that everybody who's there has affordable rent and everybody who didn't get into an apartment will never get one. And it was early on in Grumpy Old Bench, too, that we talked about the concept that cities, and I think London actually talked about doing this. I don't think they ever did. Maybe I'm wrong. I, um, but it was no more personal vehicles in the city. It was all yeah. going to be, oh, you could have taxis, Ubers, there would be public transport, but you cannot bring your vehicle into the city. That's another big push. And, you know, if you've got a really good public transportation system, that might, like, if you're Manhattan and you don't mind being barfed on while you're on in on the subway on your way in, most people uh, do. Some people are really particular and picky about that sort of thing. I feel like that's just part of city life. But as long as the the, the you're okay with the conditions, or or you know Chicago has a transit system, and as long as you're okay arriving at work with a few extra bullet holes in you, you can do that. The if the if it runs on time, like around here, public transit, uh, and I, I really tried because I was like, I've got to get off the road. And I, I tried a number of options. And for, for several years, I actually took public buses to get from home to work. The problem is that it takes. So with no traffic at 3 a.m., it's a half hour drive from here to Microsoft. If. I do it at rush hour. It is a 90 minute drive or more. It is two and a half hours if I try to take a bus because that bus is stuck in traffic, but also stopping every 30 feet along the way to pick more people up. So not convenient. And what I realized is, at least in the greater Puget Sound area, public transit is a viable way, or at least was at the time back when people weren't doing fentanyl in the bus. Right. That's was a, it, wait, that's a downside. Well, it, it apparently now the bus drivers are in their separate, like almost separate plexiglassed off area where they breathe their own air because wow. people are doing drugs in the back of the bus and it was causing bus drivers to faint behind the wheel. <laughs> that happened in Seattle. Wow. But I'm thinking 10 years ago when it wasn't quite that bad. And I, what I learned was public transit was great if one of my endpoints was downtown Seattle. Right. Otherwise, it was just useless. You know, before the uh, crime bit 
was an issue. Taking the train from where I am now downtown into the city of Chicago was beautiful. It was quick. It was easy. I mean, sure, you could drive a little bit faster because there are a few stops, but there's not a ton of stops. And you just couldn't beat the convenience because if you were going to work, you could take your laptop, you could do some work, you could keep up on, uh, you know, at least you could relax on the way. And that was the like the most productive time when I was commuting by bus was, uh, yes, it was an hour longer to take the bus. And I was like I, I was working eight, nine, 10, 11 hours. It was a computer industry. And then I'd go home and it'd take fucking forever to get there forever to get home. And it was a matter of shovel something in my mouth, collapse in bed, wake up seven hours later and do it all again. There was zero free time because of all that. But the most productive time that I had was remote working via uh, the bus Wi-Fi on my laptop before I got to work. Why before? Because the moment I was at work, people would come and knock on my freaking office door. I don't even know how much worse it is now that nobody has an office door and everybody has an open plan office where the only way that you can even concentrate on your own thoughts is to put on some kind of noise canceling headphones to get all the conversations out. And even then you just hope somebody doesn't come and tap on your shoulder. This is why I think that at least some working from home is necessary in my industry. Well, I'm certain that it can definitely help, but there's a lot of people that are using that in a way uh, to work four, five, six, seven jobs and not really do the job. So I understand why if if they, Okay, that last part is the only problem I see with that. Not doing the job. Somebody is capable of working three jobs and accomplishing the tasks set forth in all of them. Where's the problem? Now, I have to say, when you were talking about your commute, this is all I was hearing in my head. (laughs) That's it, you know? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I I get it. And trust me, that. It happened. It was probably all that was going because you were well aware of this song, Um, too. There was at least one or two times when that song may have come out of my laptop speakers. (laughs) While on the bus, that's even better. Only while we were sitting in traffic on the bus (laughs) and the bus was not moving because nobody was moving on the freeway. (laughs) Yeah, that's not good. That's that's the the most That's called trolling. And yes, I did that at least once. Yeah. Another one rides the bus. Hey, he's going to sit by you. One of Weird Al's best off his debut album. It was one of his first ones, I believe. Yeah. I think that was the song that got him noticed by Dr. Demento. Yeah. Recorded in his his bathroom because that's where the acoustics are the best kids. That's, you know, that kind of reverb back then. You couldn't just buy a plug-in for your DAW. You had to. You know, uh, every room can be a bathroom or every studio can be a bathroom if you podcast for long enough. That's true. Or if you have a really long microphone. You have a really long microphone. The whole, see, the whole train thing. I've never taken a trip on a train. I have been commuting in the city back and forth every now and then. Sure. But I've never taken a like cross country trip. And I watched a video the other day of a guy who I think just does train video. So, I mean, a real foamer, I'm guessing. And he took a trip. As opposed to a fake one. Yes. Which, I mean, I don't know how you would even do that. But he took oh, that's a, that's JCD. He took a trip from uh, it was Toronto to Vancouver. So this was through Canada, across Canada, four nights, five days. I think it was. I mean, some just absolutely beautiful scenery. 
but it was he and his wife and they to be fair they had the most expensive accommodations you could get which is a personal room with a personal you know you had your own bathroom you had your own shower so it was the the deluxe accommodations on a train but it was four thousand bucks a person and i'm like whoa i'd love to take a train trip just to see what it's like but like i that much i i remember do you remember in the uh you know back in 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 the more innocent time before uh, government authoritarianism came in under the guise of the common cold. And we were actually talking about trying to catch uh, the California Zephyr. Right. And have a meetup. Chicago to San Fran, baby. And uh, what, you know, what I was thinking was, well, I'm not in San Francisco, but I can take the coastal starlight from Seattle, which goes to L.A., but get off in San Francisco and catch the Zephyr. Um, and I mean, that would be a heck of a trip. It'd be a fun road trip, but we were actually plotting it out. And yes, uh, you know, when, first of all, when you're doing a four, five, six day train ride, you don't want to skimp on the lodging. You don't want to no. sit in a freaking airplane seat the whole time. No, you would kill yourself. So we were like, okay, what is a, you know, a small two bedroom room that has some private space uh, obviously shared bathroom at the end of the car, but just, you know, bunk space to sleep and place to sit there and read and not have somebody, you know, somebody's kid run by and vomit on me. And uh, for the entire trip, it was turning out to be like six or seven grand for just two people. Yes. I was like, oh, you know, that'd be a really fun trip. And I want to take it once. Ever. Right. And it's like, I think it would be interesting, but it's like, that's just, and it's, to ride a train. I mean, that doesn't make sense. I mean, I get it. I will, I will tell you a train trip that is amazing. And again, back to commuting this was never viable for me because Redmond is not near Seattle. Uh, but if I were commuting to Seattle and I, I use this one quite a few times, not for commute, but just because I needed to be there, there is a train that runs from where I am to Seattle along the edge of the Puget Sound. Oh, nice. And uh, they only have maybe two trains a day, one at at 5.30 a.m. and one at 6.30 a.m. or something crazy like that because they're commuter trains. But, and then, and you know, they they go down, they spend all day in Seattle and then they come back at at 4.30 and 5 or something. Uh, That is an amazing trip. And as, I mean, as far as, Trains don't get stuck in traffic. This one has the most incredible view of the Puget Sound and the mountains across the Sound, especially if you happen to get in early enough because the one side that faces the Sound the whole trip, that's the side that fills up first. Um, that is a commuter experience. But, I would say. You know, it, it only, the, the timing is terrible. Most of the time I want to go to Seattle, I don't want to be up at 6.15 a.m. Um, so... And the one thing I liked was the guy, and it was for uh, for being in a train, having your own room, awesome. When the bed was down, he had his little measuring tape, and he's like, oh, it's 72 inches long. And I'm like, well, I'm like 78, 79 inches long. So I think 72 inches long is a pretty standard bed these days. Yeah, six foot. And I'm like, but that's. No, I'd be hanging off and it was like from wall to wall. So I don't know what you do with that. I mean, I guess I could sleep sideways, but then I guess you can't bring the wife because that's going to be a problem. Yeah. Well, no, you just, you know, learn to curl. 
Right. Right. Just sleep in the fetal position. Sleep in the fetal position. Uh-huh. All the time. That would be the only way to go. And I'm sure, I mean, again, it's probably. Uh, or or just chop your legs off at the shins and leave that part home. Just let them hang off the side of the bed. You'll get you'll get comfortable. Nothing to worry about. Well, it's not side of the bed. There's a wall on either end. Well, there's a wall on one side. The other side was open. Oh, okay. The way this, because again, you had a whole room and then the bed came down from the wall or something. Uh, it was fairly impressive to have your own little room, which was kind of like a couch and a half and some, you know, again, enough room to <laughs> get up and stretch your legs. Uh, yeah, it doesn't need much, but, you know, there's only so many of those you can put on a train car. So yes. Yeah. They're that's still the, expensive. That's the problem. And if you're having a big blowout party for six days in a row. Although the Zephyr, I thought, was only like 48 hours. That'd be over in two days. It's a little easier than this one. Two being, days, I think I can handle. Yeah. I don't think I could do the five nights or what, four days. Maybe it was four nights, five days on this uh, particular journey, even though the scenery looked beautiful. I, I would absolutely love to take a long cross-country train trip once, as long as I have a, a private place to go when I'm absolutely sick of every human being. Which is most um, of the time, which is almost all the time. If you've ever heard this show, uh, you know, a place to sleep, not sitting upright in a chair, uh, you know, shower facilities are probably going to be really important. Got a bunch of people in a metal box. Yes. Yes. But which was why it was know. nice I, with I, the room with, with its own uh, shower. That seemed nice. I've, I've taken a cruise liner twice in my life and uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm not going to say where because Vox will hate me as one of those people. But Ketchikan <laughs> was a very beautiful city when we stopped in and I could see it from the top of a cruise ship. Uh, but I, I felt like, you know, at the time we were splurging because I had money. I had Silicon Valley money. And, uh, you know, we had a private suite with a, a balcony on it. And we could just sit there on the balcony and look out to sea. And it was Alaska. So it wasn't that warm. But who cares? You go outside and there's. You know, it's half raining with sea foam spraying and you just bundle up really good and get a get your Kindle out and try to wipe the spray off of it. The frozen ice. Anyway, well, yeah, I, that's I definitely the way to do. I've never done a cruise, but if I was going to, I, I couldn't do like one of the little interior cabins. You know, again, you need a little no. bit of room to, to spread out. No, and we we definitely upgraded from, you know, they had the the interior cabins. The interior cabins, by the way, are fine. If you are the kind of extroverted person who is going to use the cabin to change clothes, to shower and to sleep, and otherwise are going to spend all of your time at all of the thousands of amenities all over the ship. That's why they're there. A lot of people like that. Uh, I am more introverted. I want to spend some time with myself. Uh, well, that or, sounded you know, a little dirty wife, there. You know, you're shaking hands with the unemployed. You're going to be uh, bopping the bishop. Uh, that may have be... happened too. my wife and I would actually timeshare out on the balcony because we couldn't stand each other sometimes. <laughs> a little too much togetherness is a bad thing. I will tell you, my favorite experience on a cruise ship was when uh, we were going through a bit of a storm and there was some really heavy seas and I got in my uh, swim trunks and went to one of the pools on the very top of the ship. And this pool was rocking. The entire pool would slosh out. And the pool had a ring of benches all the way around. You actually had to climb over the bench. And I never understood this until I saw the heavy seas. The whole pool would slosh out and half the water of the pool would slosh against the bench. 
which was solid underneath, and then flow back into the pool. So was the pool that, was, was, it was to keep all the water where it was supposed to be. Yeah. So it was my own personal wave pool <laughs> because nobody else was stupid enough. But the pool was heated to 75 degrees. It's just it was op- open to the air. I have no idea how much energy they were using to do that. And the funny thing is it was it was, you know, 35 or 40 degrees out of the in the air outside the pool and raining. And so I'd stay underwater as much as possible to stay warm. But every time that a big group of water had slosh out, it had hit the cold deck and then come back in. And if I happened to be in the end of the pool where the water was pouring in, it was a blast of cold water dumping on me. But otherwise, you know, just sitting there in the wave pool during a storm was probably i'm weird okay it sounds like an experience uh the one place that i did not enjoy during that storm was in the shower afterwards <laughs> you getting slammed back and forth like a pinball or what uh, now i understand why there were so many rails installed in the showers right. to hold on to. i don't need to hold on while taking a shower i'm not 80 oh, oh my god slip sliding away yeah, well that's true too whatever is on the uh, you want a little grip on the floor if you're in a moving shower, <laughs> it sounds like a new uh, ride you could have for your local amusement park. The moving and, shower. I mean, just to be clear, remember that these ships are also as tall as like a 15 story skyscraper sometimes. Oh, yeah. And and so, you know, a, a 20 foot swell at the bottom is going to move. You, you think how much it's going to move a boat back and forth now multiply by the height of a skyscraper. That's how much the room was moving. Don't come knocking if the room is a rocking. Anyway, NetNet says he can get a private room from Detroit to San Francisco, 1362 before taxes. That doesn't seem bad. I mean, if you could make it all the way, I mean, you're <laughs> outside of Detroit. He said he could get from uh, Detroit to Chicago for 150, but think about it. Then you would be in Chicago. As, yeah, that's the trick. Right. And as long as you can get from Detroit and through Chicago with the right number of holes in your body. Yeah. I don't know. Did, are trains good at catching stray bullets? I would think they're probably, unless they hit the window, the metal would probably stop them. That's probably, yeah. Actually, you might be kind of, you're kind of armored going through. Right. Do not stay by the windows when you drive through the, uh, or glide through the Chicago area on the train. So to finish up with, uh, now that it's a half hour later, with the alternative fuel infrastructure regulation, uh, the European Council is deciding they are going to, or they have decided uh, starting in 2025, they need to manifest and conjure up new service stations. Uh, they also are laying the groundwork starting in 2027 for a parallel network of hydrogen stations every 60 kilometers. Uh, meaning, I guess, that if if you happen to be one of these hypothetical people who gets conscripted into building a service station in BFE and running it against your will, um, now you're going to have to provide hydrogen too. Um, that, you know, sounds totally safe. Listen to Dvorak's complaints about hydrogen fuel. Um, the infrastructure regulation also includes deployment targets to eliminate all fossil fuels from roads by 2037, uh, eliminate them all from airports by 2040, marine ports and from trains. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You think planes are going to be electric by 2040? Yeah. I'm glad Um, I don't fly now. And all ships and all trains. Trains are actually possible, but only if you run the lines, uh, parallel to the tracks. Right. Because now you're on grid power. But the rest of that, I don't think, I don't see it. I mean, I guess we had ships that did not run on electricity hundreds of years ago. They were called sailing ships. 
Yes. Well, yeah, just get the big sales, hoist them out again. Somebody's going to have to go back and learn this, uh, the skill set needed. I, I had a segment I really liked on Angry Tech News where uh, some startup in France had invented a way to use wind power to deploy big parasails up in the sky to pull ships across the ocean. They invented this. They invented a sail. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, wait, people used to do this? Really? No, no. Actually, the the company is probably all millennials. And so they actually have never been taught history True. because that went away. That, that, that's not part of schooling anymore. So they, they don't know that people used to do this hundreds of years ago. They thought they they're, discovered they think the they're sale. completely original. Yeah. Hey, do you know if we take a really big sheet, the, we could catch the wind? Yeah. Ah, no, no, it's a parachute. It's a parachute on a cord. It actually is a parasail. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, do whatever uh, you got to do. The last thing, and I, you know, I talking about bearing the lead, that's the thing I really like doing. Um, the one good thing I like about this EU council thing is uh, they are requiring that all of these charging stations, this, by the way, pay attention, people in America who are running service stations must allow ad hoc payments to fill your electric vehicle via a card or NFC, no cash. So they're not doing that great without a subscription. No. So one of the problems people are always saying, Oh, America has all of these charging stations. This, and, and um, you know, there's half of them. The only way you can charge is by having a, the app, uh, the right app on your phone and having an active subscription to the app. No good. If you aren't, you know, in the right region or whatever, you got to be trackable though. The government needs yeah. to know where you are. So I definitely, the one part I really like about this is they require you must be able to do it effectively. I mean, not quite anonymously. You have to have a card, but you have to be able to do it ad hoc. And I do appreciate that because the idea of having to subscribe to a charging network in order to make this very expensive purchase you've made be viable is, well, everything about subscriptions for vehicles just rubs me the wrong way. Either way, uh, eliminating fossil fuels from roads, airports, uh, ship ports, trains, uh, switching them all to grid power, to hydrogen power, to, you know, which is far less energy dense than gasoline, uh, to electricity, which nobody has come up with anything remotely energy dense enough. Another story I did on Angry Tech News was about a, a startup that was trying to do an all electric plane and eventually ended up abandoning the idea because batteries just don't have the energy density required to keep a piece of metal up in the air and they could not make it viable. Um, so when know, they get no, rid of the fossil fuels at the airports, so, I guess you, nobody's flying anymore. Yeah. I, I, which I think might be the idea. So basically uh, thanks to this, uh, this is one of many bits of regulation going through the EU that uh, is part of their uh, energy 55 program, which I hadn't heard of, but they're trying to get uh I don't remember what the 55 means, but it's some green push that pretty much seeks to absolutely destroy the European economy by a certain year in the name of environmentalism. Europe is going back to the dark ages. Well, we are too in the United States. I had a story here uh, on the Biden administration announced on Friday. So that would have been last week, Friday, 
new standards that would force automakers to improve fuel efficiency in trucks by 4% a year from 2027 to 2032. Oh, yeah. Again, legislating the laws of physics. Great idea. Uh-huh. And the interesting just thing be- is that figure because you pass a law automatically makes it so. Isn't that how it works? Yeah. If you say it, they have to do it. The for cars, though, in the same time period, they just want a two percent improvement per year over those years. So, well, you're you're targeting trucks. No, they're not coming for your trucks. Oh, they are. They're coming for your trucks. And I'm just really worried. And I remember distinctly because Obama was big into this global warming stuff. And I remember Obama saying that. That's why he owns two beachfront mansions. Uh huh. Because he's really worried about sea level rising. Well, I didn't say he really believed it, but he was definitely pushing it. And he was like, well, you know, people are just not going to want to drive the big vehicles anymore. And I still look around when I'm out on the streets. They're all big vehicles. And half the vehicles on the road today are Amazon delivery vans. Well, this is the thing that worries me. Forget uh, where's the uh, where's the line between commercial vehicle and residential vehicle? Because those oh, that's that's been blurred by Uber and Waymo. Yes. And that's another very bad thing. When you look at all of this. It is not going to go well. Somebody in the troll room pointed out early on in this show how much that Ford was losing this year or this quarter. It was billions on electric vehicles. This is not something that is working at this this particular juncture. The the problem with electric vehicles, and I really want the there, there are scenarios where it really makes sense that like, you know, one place where electric vehicles have made sense for a very long time. Look at a golf course. That, that works well. And it was it evolved to a certain form factor and a certain style based on. You know, the idea that a lot of places they don't want, uh, you know, they don't want engines burning things all over their finely manicured grass. Yeah, they don't want the so, noise. Um, the the no- it, Not just the noise, the fact that they can shoot out sparks and set your golf course on fire. You don't want that. Oh, that would be fun, though. Uh, it, I, I think it'd be fun, but I don't run a golf course with, with good reason. But um, that is one place where market demand resulted in. Uh, the natural fit was electric vehicles. Now, I also know, yes, there are fuel gas powered golf carts. I get that. Some places use them, but. Well, you can't even they, drive an electric golf cart on the street here legally. Oh, really? Yeah, you would have to not. I think, I think if you slap a license plate on it here, it's. It might be okay. I and, don't. And it was 4.5 4. billion in this last year, according to NetNed Ford losing on electric vehicles. Oh, I mean, my this, gosh. Yeah, that's. For a private company, for for a private company that's not Apple, four point five billion is a serious issue. Yeah, um, you know it's it's only it's, you can only shrug that off if you're a government. But the electric vehicles, I want the technology to succeed. But the way that every other technology has succeeded in the past is in response to market demand to a a need, an economic need. Somebody sees an opportunity. Hey, we can make money. They do it in such a way that it makes money. It takes time. It takes lots of iterations. People, uh, you know, people work on, okay, well, this lo- lots of people try to get in, get the wrong idea and fail. And that is how 
capitalism works. It's how the free market works. And it ultimately results in very, very good and very efficient technologies. The problem with electric vehicles as they are today is the driving force is not economics. The driving force is government and activists. And the problem with it is that you're skipping a lot of the failures and iterations. You're skipping a lot of the natural evolution. And the problem with the technology and the reason I don't trust it is that those iterative failures are absolutely critical to understand the right way to build one of these things. And it seems like almost every week I've got yet another story about how electric vehicles are failing badly because somebody made some bonehead mistake, which is the kind of thing that a company would pop into business and go back out of business if they made that mistake. And then all the other companies would be like, oh, that's a, we shouldn't do that. And then, you know, fix it. And it has to happen over and over and over again. It's evolution. It, it takes time. And the idea of somebody coming in and just saying, you're all going to be driving electric vehicles by 2030 or screw you, you'll never be allowed to leave the house is uh, destructive to freedom, is authoritarian and is going to result in death traps on wheels because we haven't given electric vehicles enough time for people to figure out the technology. Well, the other thing is, as with everything else, I'm surprised they're not all in on everything that happens from global warming to crime. Well, you know, the poor people are the most harshly affected. It's like, well, what do you think happens when somebody's forced to buy an overpriced electric vehicle and get rid of their gas powered vehicle that just plain works? What do you think yeah. that costs? But what what happens when you force somebody through regulation to scrapyard the $1,500 Honda Civic that they've been driving for 20 years. Yeah. That still that works. works just fine. Yeah. It, you know, or 15 that, that works fine. That gets them where they want to go. That is paid for that. All it takes is some fuel and oil and occasional maintenance. And, and those things will run forever and say, no, you are required to go find a way to acquire $40,000 to buy a brand new car that you don't even have a way to plug in because you live in tenement housing and, uh, have to have street parking and there's no way that the city will let you run an extension cord across the sidewalk. The Alliance for Automotive Innovation, a trade group that represents the world's top automakers. So I understand they probably have a bias, but they say that the regulations that Biden's putting in are, quote, neither reasonable nor achievable and would prompt huge price hikes. Well, that's not a surprise. Duh. That is not a surprise. Let's remember that quote from Barack Obama. Well, my idea of a cap and trade system wouldn't necessarily cause your electricity and power rates to skyrocket. Oh, well, yeah. When you're telling people you're going to cause everything to necessarily skyrocket to do what's right for the planet, well, then you got to start wondering again if what you're doing is right for the planet when the costs involved to the planet for creating the vehicle and the battery actually turns out to be worse than the gas powered vehicle here's here's a quick really basic primer on basic economics for people out there who were never taught economics or or people out there whose ideology forces them to avoid economics like a vampire presented with a garlic clove when you when you let the economy when you let the free market do its thing the free market will always tend toward an optimum given the conditions in the market. 
it, it will always end up, you know, if, if you let the free market run long enough, um, you know, every single time that there is any, you know, anybody is able to make a choice and you have two possible directions that the industry can go. And one of them is more efficient than the other. The more efficient means somebody makes more money. People are going to go that way. That's how, that's the whole point. The whole reason why capitalism is such a superior system to almost everything is because it requires no central planning, no buy-in. Nobody has to approve things. Nobody has to control it, which, by the way, the illusion of control is the kind of thing that gets communists and socialists all horny. And then they, you know, the, the systems fail because the harsh reality that you cannot control a system that complex finally hits them about the time everybody starts starving to death. But without any centralized overall control and with a system of free exchange, the system will tend toward an optimum period. It will get there. I, I mean, it might take a very long time and there's going to be a lot of, of false starts, and we, but you will get what this means is that if your free market system is in an optimum, then any external constrictions on that market, meaning government action and universally every government action will push the system somewhere. Every government action is taking and trying to force the system in some direction. If the system was at an optimal, which is what the completely unfettered free market will do, what that means, every single government action on a market, everyone universally makes the system worse. Yeah, it can... is not possible taking an aggregate for government action to improve an entire system. And in this case, it's backed up by Mark Mills, who is a Manhattan Institute senior fellow who says, if implemented, these bans will lead to draconian constraints on freedoms, unprecedented impediments to affordable and convenient driving, and it will have little to no impact on global carbon emissions. In fact, the bans and electric vehicle mandates are more likely to cause a net increase in emissions. Oh, almost certainly. So it's like, okay, for what you're telling me you're doing this for, it's actually going to do the exact opposite. Oh, yeah. It, 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 so it's, it's the ideal government program. Yeah. Not only does it completely, not only does it create any number of unintended consequences like all government programs do, all of which are ultimately worse for things, but it also has the added benefit of completely failing at its stated goal. It's a perfect government regulation. It's a win-win. Yeah. Totally a win-win for the government. Win-win if you want to see the system collapse. And they do. A lot of people do. That's the end goal, I believe. Yeah. It's nothing to see here. No, electric vehicles will be great. We're going to be flying in electric planes before you know it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like the company that abandoned their idea for an electric plane because lithium ion batteries were simply too heavy. I mean, I don't think what people understand is the amount of fuel that a jet burns when it goes. And I saw there was, I was watching something on planes the other day and the weight, like when they're taking off and the, was like half the weight of the plane is fuel. Yeah. So, I mean, you, and, and, and that's with something that has crazy high energy density, like jet fuel. Yes. So imagine what you would need to go the same route with a different type of propulsion engine. And this, this is one of the things that really, 
when I was reading that, I just had to roll my eyes when I was reading about this alternate fuel and infrastructure regulation is one of the things that they're targeting. Like you said, they're targeting big trucks. They, you know, they've already pretty well stigmatized the idea of a gas powered personal car. And now they are trying to get big trucks on electric batteries, but they're starting to figure out that if, if you tried to make an all electric truck and there's a reason nobody has ever done it because in order to pull a full load, the truck is half battery. Like, like three quarters of your weight is your damn battery in order to get the amount of energy required to pull the rest of the load. You, at some point you're, you're performing the rocket equation where, you know, you have a, you know, the rocket equation where the, the amount of fuel required, the, the amount of thrust required is an exponent in or to determine the amount of fuel. So in order to escape the earth's gravity, you basically have a tiny little, you know, 300 kilogram payload strapped on a fuel tank. That's 20 times its size. We need nuclear you just need that much. You need that much fuel to move the fuel, to move the fuel that you'll need once you have the fuel expended, you know, I, and the, the problem, of course, with batteries is the battery doesn't get all any more light or any lighter once you've expended it either. You got to carry right. the damn thing the whole way. Well, this is true. With at least the fuel you're burning off, you're getting lighter as you go. With batteries, so, you don't have that. I just looked it up, and I know the 777 is a pretty large aircraft, but it holds like 48,000 gallons of fuel. Yeah. Trying to get the same of, amount of power out of batteries. Oh, my. And by the way, how 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 long do I have to drive my Buick to uh, to make up for the amount of fuel burned by one cross-country trip on a plane? I think uh, or, it would take a long time, even or, in a or big old Buick. one trip from Silicon Valley to Davos. I think, yeah. Well, this is it. For people that don't drive a lot, and my wife and I are in that category now that neither one of us is working outside of, you know, a mile radius of the home. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're not. There's no need to have an electric car. There's no need to invest in something new. It was one of those things when the uh, when these even the better mileage cars came out. You were like, well, let's see if I've got the old gas guzzler that that's given me 10 miles to the gallon, but I can get a car that's giving that'll give me 30 miles to the gallon. But the car is going to cost forty thousand dollars. How long until I break even? It's a long time. And we're not allowed to make that determination anymore. Nope. Uh, the Nowadays, people making their own decisions is that's that's so last century. Now it is uh, you don't get to make the calculation. You just need to go into debt in order to afford that 40,000 car because the environment. You will buy the electric car. And when the battery dies in five years, you will be happy. Yeah. Because that's even with this uh, with the pump system, the sump pump backup. He's like, yeah, you should probably replace the battery every five years. Uh, I know. Have we? I, I feel like we beat uh, electric cars to death now. <laughs> oh, I I think rightfully so. Yeah, I mean they need it, but da- I we're practically an electric car podcast now. Is that better than being an AI podcast or worse? I'm not well, sure. Well, you know the story I was about to introduce is an AI story. It's an electric car with an AI story, or we can do a uh, a donation segment. Oh, we could do that too. That's that, that's better for us. Yeah. And we can say the boostograms are open. Come on, everybody. Where are the boostograms? There were a couple since the show started. Pride. Yes. This is a value for value podcast. Some people have forgotten about that, but some have not. And we appreciate those that have not. If you want to take part in the value for value system, go to grumpyoldbeds.com slash donate. All of the information is there that you need to know. And coming in today as our number one donor, 
Eric Mackey. I know that name. I'm very familiar. I've seen it before. Came in with a paper check with the boob donation, 8008, $80.08, which, I mean, if you can send boobs in the mail, that's pretty cool. If you could, he would probably complain because you'd have to fold him. Well, you you would need a larger box. Yeah, that might be it. You know, and then you couldn't you couldn't just put it in an envelope, and then the post office would probably lose it, and that would that would be a whole thing. But I appreciate it, Eric and Progo. I, we remember Progo coming in with his twelve dollars a month. Progo, Who? never heard of him. He has that uh, website, tinycomputer.com or something like that. <laughs> Something like that, right? Wasn't that it? Tiny computer, tiny something like that. Yes, he's got. Progo has a tiny something. That's all I remember. But we appreciate. And and he should ISO that. Yes. Yes, of course. This is we we are just kind of like. uh, I saw a thing on. I think JCD posted something that was a takedown of what's going on on TikTok, which where you used to have in. You know, the 50s and 60s, they came up with these little machines that you could put a quarter in, and then there'd be like a monkey inside going, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, yeah, ooh, ooh. well, now this is what ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah. Uh-huh, the TikTok thing is. People get tipped, and then they go, luck, luck, yum, yum, ice cream, yum, yum, ice cream, yum, 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 yum. and then that whole what thing. The f- I know. I was, I was disturbed by the whole thing, but there's like chicks dressed up in weird little outfits and the... The one just looked like she was having a seizure. And then there was this one that would like have like little ice cream emojis come across the screen. And she would like pretend she was catching them with her mouth and was going like ice cream, yum, yum, ice cream, yum, yum. It was- do, do you ever think that it might have been a mistake to make it so that anybody anywhere could become a public figure? You, you kind of. Do, do you ever stop thinking that? <laughs> it's the social media has changed things in a way which is partially great and partially horrifying. And the other, here's the thing that's really the most horrifying. The attractive young girl that's probably 22 years old, somewhere in that range, that is going on TikTok and going ice cream, yum, yum, is making like 5,000 times more than we are on this show. Well, it's because it's because you're not showing your boobs on camera, obviously. Right. Okay. I have to install the camera. I'm going to need a wide angle lens and some boobs. Yeah. I mean, you could buy those. Yeah, that's true. There are therapists and doctors out there just installing them left and right. They're like, yes. Oh, do you you feel like you need them? Okay. That's great. Progo's like, how did my donation lead to this? He'll never know. NetNet did come in with $10 at the end of the last show, and he said that was some T-shirt sales money. I'm guessing maybe from No Agenda Social. Are you selling any other kind of T-shirts, NetNet? You got like a brand we should all know about? Because I would buy some NetNet T-shirts. You know, Detroit Strong. You can. They come with the bullet holes already in the shirt. So <laughs> it's a good for a little bit of airing out, and uh, it'd be good. It would be appreciated. Our buddy Steve Edwards came in with a check as well, $10. It was NA store. Okay, so the NA store, you got to buy more of NetNed stuff over on the uh, No Agenda store. Stephen McConnell and Steve E both coming in with five bucks over on Patreon. They're the last ones left there. Our buddy Brian Janaki asked the other day, he's like, is, is my pa- Patreon thing still good? And I'm like, I think they said you were a fraudster and all that. He's like, okay, I'll send in a check. And I saw it come into the mail today. 
have not gotten it yet. So that'll be on the next show, but I just want to give him free shout out. Thanks for listening. And, uh, and all that we did have a clip custodian came in with the booster gram when the show just started here for 33,000 Satoshis. Wow. We had a Sir Sean of the Allegheny Valley. He came in with two while listening to the last show, which two, is, it is interesting. Two Satoshis? Yeah. He came, well, he came in with a two different boost grams. Oh, two boosts while listening to the last show. The first one, he came in a little earlier in the show. I didn't keep the timestamps on this when I transferred it over, but he was like, 17,000 sats, and he said, boosting at 1.5 speed. Deal with it. We don't care if you listen <laughs> at 1.5 speed. I don't care what speed you listen to. That's that's the other guy, the other tall guy on that other show. He minds. We're, we're like, do whatever you want, whatever feels good. If you want to listen at two times speed, three times speed, five times speed, it's okay. But then he came in with 34,000 Satoshi's if, a little bit. And if bit. you figure out how to listen at negative one speed, I'll be impressed. That would just, the show would last forever then? Well, that'd be zero speed, which is how a lot of people listen now that they think about it. <laughs> well, it's, it's like it never starts. It never ends somewhere in the middle. I don't know. But then he came in with 34,000 Satoshi's. So, so he doubled up the 17,000 to 34 and he said, boosting to demand that you never mention grumpy old Ben's in my prostate in the same sentence ever again. So I don't remember, were we talking about uh, uh, Sir Sean's prostate on the line? We must have. I, again, you know, these segments I, can go anywhere. You should know that, Sir Sean. I, you I, encourage I find this. that on this show, we're just randomly referring to people's prostates left and right. And <laughs> it's so hard to keep track of who was in the conversation. Right. I mean, there is so much prostate talk. Prostate talk is good radio. In fact, that's practically the name of the show. Prostate, prostate talk. talk. <laughs> hey, somebody look on a pro podcasting index. Is there prostate talk yet? There's got to be a couple of old guys like, uh, yeah, let me tell uh, you. You're, you're, you're going to make me look. Is there, is there a show called Pro? It'd be prostate talk with old prospector uh, Jimmy. How you doing, everybody? Okay. Oh, my God. Okay. Is there a uh, prostate, the prostate health podcast? Prostate cancer update. <laughs> this is just a quick search on podcast index uh prostate cancer awareness podcast uh we can win real talk about prostate cancer uh the prostate cancer podcast and the prostate cancer genetics podcast uh oh oh this one this could be a winner the prostate pros <laughs> whoa is this about cancer or just about some uh ways to enjoy your prostate more during sexual activity uh, my prostate and me by someone named Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how you doing? He wants you to, he wants you to get up close and personal with his prostate. Uh, prostate cancer, real talk. I mean, the cancer <laughs> thing I get. Here's, there's a show called, we don't have a prostate. <laughs> I'm guessing <laughs> that, that, I mean, half the people in the world theoretically don't have a prostate. So. How you doing, everybody? Get a prostate. Get, you, you get a prostate. You get a prostate. You get a prostate. Yes. N navigate prostate by someone in Melbourne named Natalie, who is apparently navigating. You, yeah, you can navigate my. Pro okay. I mean, but really no <laughs> prostate talk. I mean, that sounds like a hot show that somebody should be uh, doing. Prostate diaries. <laughs> okay. Now that one, okay. I'm, that We're one done. I'm kind of afraid to <laughs> tune into. <laughs> I don't know if that is something that is information that I would need to have. I do not know. Uh, okay, you know, I, but okay. The, so, the, Sir Sean, I, I like the podcast index a lot, but the, there are some man-made horrors. Yes, 
So we, we will just mention other people's prostates from now on and leave Sir Sean's out of it. That's probably for the best. Coming in with 8,015 Satoshis, who's like, what are you people doing on the show? Comic strip blogger who really just wants you to Sometimes visit. Sometimes I wonder. I know. I, I wonder, too. <laughs> Comic strip blogger just wants you to visit www.csb.lol. He didn't even say I, yo this I, time. I think you should. If you want some lols, you go to csb.lol. Or, or if you just want to see some, you know, MS Paint looking clip art, he's he's got quite the archive. It could all be AI inspired now. You never know. You know that that's a that's a hook. That's an angle. I think, yeah, you should go with that. I like it. Joel W came in with eleven hundred and eleven satoshis, and then C Brooklyn. Uh, did we say that C Brooklyn came in since the start of the show as well? With let's see here. The total was 7777, the lucky sevens. And then we had a couple of two anonymous boosts here. The just no name came in, just says, thanks for the great show again. And the first is get LB does not. So somebody who likes our show enough to send us money and thank us for it, but doesn't actually want their name associated with it. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. That checks. I got that. And it was 77,777 Satoshis. And then the next one was 66,666 Satoshis. So somebody who likes numerology, because it was a 77777 and then a 66666. Or or somebody whose keyboard keys are stuck. Right. right. We appreciate it. He's like, no, seven Satoshi. No. Okay. Just be aware when when you are Working on your prostate health awareness, try to aim in a direction other than your keyboard. Yes, you do not want your keyboard getting sticky. You will have all sorts of different problems, but you can just throw it in the dishwasher. It'll probably be fine. Yeah. And then once you pull it out of the dishwasher and the new keyboard arrives, everything will be back to normal. Right. Well, you could try it out. I think (laughs) that was I remember that was our buddy uh, from Canada was going to do that with the keyboard. I don't know if he ever did. Then he disappeared. You know, the bearded cartographer. Sir Matthew. I actually uh I am on my second of these Havit keyboards, the mechanical ones, because the first one ended up taking uh uh probably a, a half quart of whiskey and coke. And <laughs> I was extremely saddened because it was a tremendous waste of a good drink. Well, and the whiskey would have probably been okay, but the coke and the sugar and the Yeah. The whiskey would have been fine. Just cleaned it off. And and knowing what that Coke does to my keyboard, can you imagine what it was doing to my insides? Or to your prostate? Yeah. But yeah, that's what I've been using. They have it one for years and the thing just just works. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Quick tip. Sugary beverages, not good lotion. (laughs) Or not good for your keyboard as well. Yeah. Or your prostate. This is the kind of information you can find only here on Grumpy Old Bands. We hope you like the show. Go tell a friend, tell five friends, go leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. But overall, word of mouth is what we rely on. Turn some people onto the show. No agenda calls. Because we're already banned from all the social media networks. Right. Well, that's what uh, on uh, X now or Twitter, however you want to call it. Our buddy Gianni up in Canada was like, oh. You know, looking at the calendar, wonder how long until Larry's going to get, you know, booted off of Twitter. And I'm like, you mean again? Again. So, <laughs> right. You got to add the again. Because that it, already happened. Yeah. And they're like, you we're, can't we're be on, on Twitter. We're on our second iteration of Larry. 
And then he's right. I thought it was great that he just put two in front of the name. Like nobody's ever going to, I'm like, nobody's going to notice. Nobody's going to care. It's it's secret. It's a secret cryptography (laughs) technique. Yes. So so if he gets kicked off again, I'm just looking for three that Larry show. Oh, they'd never catch that one. Nope. Well, the people that work for Elon, maybe not. The AI must not be strong. They're, They're too busy trying to figure out how to, like how to search for their own company name at this point. <laughs> exactly. And oh my goodness. The one and only the best dude named Ben. We know void zeros in the troll room. That is a oh, rare treat and has a lot to say. He says, hi. Yeah. Which for him, the line before that was the one that I found terribly insightful with nothing, a blank line. Yeah. <laughs> he was probably referring to prostate talk, which is like you do when it comes to prostate talk, less is more. And I'd, honestly, what Void Zero said in that line is all that needs to be said about prostates. Yeah, but we are happy that you're supporting the show. We're happy you're listening. Tell people about it. Support the show if you can. Grumpyoldbenz.com slash donate because Bemrose needs a job. And I could use one too. way too much money yeah. going out lately. Not enough. Coming Actually, in. you know, I don't. I'm not convinced I need a job. What I need is an income. The problem yes. is that usually involves a job. job. Yeah. Well, again, if less you're showing your boobs on uh, one of these websites. And my boobs are not nearly spherical enough. Grumpy old prostate's not coming soon. Net, Ned. <laughs> I'm not touching that one. Nope. <laughs> Sometimes it's better just to walk away. Just walk away. So OpenAI has abandoned their AI classifier. Now, OpenAI are the people behind the big chat GPT. Yeah, OpenAI are the people who, yeah, chat GPT kind of exploded and made everybody put the words AI into every blog post, news story, tech news for the last six months. Uh, OpenAI, there there were a lot of articles, a lot of controversy. Uh, You know, students immediately realized that, hey, I can get this online service to write an essay for me and uh, thus, quote unquote, cheat in their classes. Um, A lot of professors suddenly started freaking out, going, how do I even know if a student is turning in an AI thing? And of course, you know, here on this show, we're like, maybe you could try reading it. Uh, (laughs) But uh the the controversy of people passing off AI generated text as their own and other people not wanting that has led to uh, a new type of software called uh well OpenAI's is called an AI classifier but effectively is uh, a detector that you put text into and it tells you whether or not the it was written by AI right. And I know we've highlighted some of them on this show itself and pointed out how incredibly inaccurate they are, uh, how somebody put the U.S. Constitution into one of these things and it came back, said, yep, that was definitely written by an AI. Are we sure another it wasn't, person, Another person was putting Bible passages in and said, the thing had said, yep, those are AI. Uh, well, there are actually statistics that uh, these statistics were specifically about OpenAI's version of the AI classifier, the ones made by the company who runs the biggest, that runs ChatGPT, um, that correctly identified AI-generated text. And and by the way, we should say it's actually large language model-generated text. AI is a marketing buzzword, but it's the one everybody uses, and it's quick to to speak. So I say it. Uh, 26% of the time, 26% of 
uh, the AI generated text. You go tell ChatGPT to generate 100 essays, feed them into OpenAI's classifier, and it would mark 74 of them as, nope, those are fine, and 26 of them as, yes, it was AI. Uh, even scarier, 9% false positives. Yeah, so that's the take, bitch. And that was the bitch. They, we, we, I, we definitely brought a story a few weeks ago of a professor who failed his entire class because he put all of their papers into one of these AI classifiers and it came back and said, yep, all of them are AI. I bet you at least you know, one or two were. It's quite possible. And I, I think it's probably likely, but I think it's also unlikely that all of them are. I think the professor has probably been in, you know, not following the, the technological leaps and bounds, which is normal for a sheltered environment like academia. And it's interesting because some of these will give a guess, which would be like, well, I had 90 and it's not, if it comes down 95% AI, it doesn't mean that 95% was written by AI. It's 95% certain. So it always yeah. leaves. It's always a statistical analysis. It says, well, you know, if you roll a dice and it rolls up a 20, then it's fine. But otherwise, right. yeah, you're, you're playing D and D again. That's all yeah, it is. I was going to say it. I, I should have specified you have to roll a 20 sided dice for that, because if you roll a six sided dice for that, like a normal one and it comes up a 20, then Rub. somebody switched your dice. Yeah, you got problems. I'd like <laughs> that you could feed in cut and paste the chat GPT text into something like Grammarly and just say, yes, accept every suggestion. And all of a sudden the systems were spitting out. Nope, not AI. So it is, if you, if it's double AI, you're okay. And okay. Let's, let's think about this and analyze a little bit about how these detectors work. The, the large language model, the way that it generates text is it has consumed a truly impressive amount of human generated text. And it goes through and tries to put together an original text that looks as close as possible and probably uses snippets or phrasings from all of these other human generated texts. So you are creating something whose source material is human generated and trying to say, and can you tell me whether it is? Well, if the large language model is working correctly, then it should not be possible to tell. Uh, unless you were there when it was created. It doesn't surprise me in the least that the very idea of creating an AI classifier that can take a thing and tell you, was this put together by a human or was it just put together by a machine organizing a whole bunch of things that were made by humans? Well, they're looking obviously for patterns, which would make sense. I mean, there's a thing when you're, if you're just starting to write songs, it's a real bitch. But what a lot of people suggest to get your, you know, get your lyric game on is listen to existing songs and write lyrics that fit those songs, which are basically fitting into the pattern of the old one. Yeah. When you're coming to writing, it's the same thing. It's like, well, let's see. They're trying to write a, a Western because you can tell these AIs. Well, I want you to write a Western novel about this. It's like, well, I've, like you said, if I'm the AI, if I'm the large language model, the reference that it's going to is every Western novel that has been fed into it. 
And it's like, oh, well, it usually seems to follow pattern. You know, here we meet our hero and then he has this thing happen and then this happens and then it's over. And and most of the various classifiers that try to tell you if something is an AI still rely on the idea that no matter how complex the large language models have become, they are still not as complex or sophisticated yet as the human brain. So effectively, what you're looking for is uh, something that is a little bit stupid, a little bit unaware of itself. Something, you know, something that that doesn't have the is not not a you know self. I'm not even sure what I'm saying. Basically, you're looking for something that doesn't have the the spark of creativity that a human can have. That's kind of what you're trying to classify. Well, I think it's looking for the pattern. It's looking for that it it fits exactly into the pattern where humans won't. I would assume humans, even though you kind of get the idea of the pattern, you're going to stray because you're not completely logical. You're not literally trying to fill the pattern as the same thing with writing lyrics to a song that already exists. I would think the AI is trying to do just that. And it would be like, well, you could tell by the fact that there's a description, then three lines of dialogue, then another description, and then three more lines, whatever the pattern is, that's what it's kind of looking for is, Hey, well, this is exactly the way it should be. And, and humans don't always stick to various patterns, but whenever a computer sees a pattern generated like that, and then realizes a human has departed for it, what it does is back up and look for, okay, is there a larger pattern? For example, you know, if, if you look out and you realize that it takes you know, every 24 hours, the the sky gets really bright and then really dark. And then you realize over a really long term that it's not just that and that the sun is higher and lower in the sky. So you you step out and have a, another pattern overlaid it, which would be years or seasons. And then if you look at the sky long enough, you realize there's more patterns like the planets are moving and more. And th- that's what AI is good at. And it kind of it's going to assume that whenever humans break from a pattern, that they're following a bigger t- pattern that's more complex. And the, I guess, so the job of a classifier is effectively to detect the little bits of, of chaos and pattern breaking and uh, that, that come with being a human. But the problem is that the task is impossible, not because computers are as good as the best humans, but because the worst humans who are still classified as humans are significantly dumber than the computers. This is true. <laughs> this is true, which is why they're letting the computers do their homework for them. Exactly. You want a degree? Go let the computer do your homework. It writes better than you do. It'll do my job for me later, too. Nothing there, to worry about. I mean, let's be totally honest that if for as long as human history has existed, there's only a very small fraction of humans that write really, really well. And those people have always been the ones who write all the stuff that everybody reads because it's the good stuff. Fine. But what that means is that if, you know, if you only feed your computer what those people write, your computer is going to write better than all the people who can't be in that category. Yes. And if you feed your computer everything that you see on Twitter and Facebook, then the chat GPT essays are going to be really fucking stupid. Oh, yeah. And then I realized I did install. I think we were talking about that in the last show. I installed and was playing around with stable diffusion and realized my video card really sucks. Because oh. it's, uh, it's See, I actually installed and was playing around with unstable diffusion. See, well, that's also the uh, an interesting fork of stable diffusion. 
that the unstable diffusion people now they're the ones that went when stable diffusion went oh no we can't have people creating nudes unstable diffusion was like ha ha fuck you yes we can yeah. <laughs> like well they're like you open source your software we're just going to create one that does that yes which i i'm totally for this i'm great with it i, I thought for sure my buddy gene would have stacks and stacks of video cards but he says he only upgrades every three years i'm like with all the video games you play i thought you upgraded like weekly you got to get I the think- latest greatest I mean, I don't play the newest video games, but I think my video card is six or seven years old at this point. Yeah, those are it no still bueno. displays things on the screen. Yeah, the it still uh, plays Minecraft. Great. I know mine has six gig of VRAM, which is fine for everything I do, except if you want to play with the AIs, they want eight or more. Yeah. And I probably would benefit because I was looking like a 3060 card like 300 bucks and it would make photoshop and all that a little bit faster as well but i don't know it oh, it seems it's splurge it seems easier to make, just make use of all those rock and roll pre-show boosts right all those uh, satoshi's got to put them into something maybe but it seems easier maybe just to do the monthly thing with mid-journey or something like that and uh and and go down that road as well Oh, because I know Google's got something I did not even was not even aware of this, but I guess you could do a like a $10 a month. And I'm assuming it depends how much you use through Google that it's like a cooperative, a collective. I'm not sure what the right word is that you're basically sharing a bunch of GPUs, which I thought was kind of interesting. I would like not aware network of network. Yes. Okay. Of GPUs. I was not aware of it, but you know, the more you d- dive into That's these weird little idea. things, uh-huh. I thought so. You know, you know, you just kind of take it. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, back when we had extra cycles back in the day when you would do the what was it? The uh, folding at home or there was the one with the uh, we want to decode the messages. Right. Coming in from the great beyond. People are probably like, fuck that. I can I can monetize this. Let people use my video card for creating AI. Yeah. Which is not using your video card. It's using your electricity, by the way. Yeah. Which is getting more and more expensive. And, and and let's let's be perfectly honest. If I wanted to run my video card, at, by the by the way, one of the reasons my video card is seven years old is I don't run things like that on the GPU. But if I were going to be running my video card at high temperatures, twenty four seven, I'd be mining Bitcoin. Yeah, and you'd be doing it in the winter that way. It was just like having, oh yeah, heaters built into the house. Yeah, I always. Uh, you know, I always turn on the, the most CPU intensive servers in the winter. The only way to do it, heat that bitch up. Can we go very briefly back to the uh, donation segment? Sure. I, I, I was just handed a thing. Wait, now uh, that's not, we don't talk about that on the show anymore after the last time. Uh, what, what, prostate talk? Yeah, when you were handed a thing. Uh, I have in my hand a check uh, from Baron Spud the Mighty with the memo Grumpy Old Ben's on it. Ooh, Sir Baron Spud the Mighty? Yes, for $10. $10. The, he he does not trust anybody with the money. I, I am all right with that because it also means I'm not giving up part of it to PayPal or to you know any intermediaries. But he trusts uh, it to Uncle Sam, and now that yeah. is the scariest part to me. Well, he, he clearly trusts his own bank, which I guess you got to trust somebody. You, you got to trust uh, And he somebody. hasn't been canceled yet, despite the podcast he supports. Well, see, now this is good. It must be a good bank. <laughs> it must be. I had a package that disappeared last 
well, in um, like mid-June, and I'm still waiting for PayPal to give me my money back on that one. And it's just like it got and the most interesting thing was I was following the tracking and I saw it get from California to Chicago really quick, but it was media mail. So, you know, that always leads me to believe when they see media mail, they just kind of throw it into the back of a deep, dark truck and maybe it'll be seen again and maybe it won't. But the last thing that showed on the tracking was that it arrived in Frankfurt, Illinois which is the post office that delivers our mail. Even though we're in the next town over, they're the big post office, and that's where all of the deliveries come out of. And after a few days of no movement, I called the post office, and the woman looked it up, and she's like, nope, never got here. I'm like, but it huh. says that it did. She's looking it up, and she's like, well, according to our system, it arrived in Chicago. She's like, that's just automated. Like, So according to a UP, usps employee oh imagine that online tracking systems lie to you yes anyone who receives enough packages realizes that Uh uh-huh but the the system's just guessing where it should be yeah like because people want to know yeah people want to know people expecting a package what they really want is gps on the truck so they can see which curve on the freeway their package is at right and the tracking system just straight don't have that much precision but they're like, as long as it looks like it's moving, you won't bother us. Yeah. And that's the thing is if if uh, their tracking system says that it just spent five days in a warehouse, they're going to start getting phone calls. So if they can fudge it a little bit and be like, actually, it moved from this warehouse to this one. So that buys us another day or two of you not calling. Yeah, I knew there was a problem after it hit there and it had ne- not been delivered. And then after like four days. It showed in transit to the next location. I'm like, well, if it made it there, that was the last location. But it wasn't. But the bitch that I bought it from through Facebook just didn't even want to answer my messages. I'm like, you do realize that PayPal is going to take the money away from you because there's no delivery, right? Customer service at its best. I know. And here's the thing. I am not completely unreasonable. I believe. I know. When did this change? Just recently. I've been trying to get better. (laughs) I'm turning like, over a new leaf you know this was it was a it was a uh, an album and an autographed photo from another artist not taylor swift believe it or not but one of the girls that's opening up for taylor swift on the other tour that she's doing in south america or whatever i'm like oh that was a good deal and i believe it'll go up in value so sure now the thing is i would have probably been like you know what it didn't arrive Let's split it because I understand once it's in the mail, once it's media mail, the person on the other end, I don't know if she knows this or not because she didn't even answer any of my messages. It's like, you're the one that's going to take the hit, but I am a rational person and I believe you did send it. Wait, when did that change? I know just very recently as well. Okay. I'm like, I would have been okay with like, okay, give me 50% back. It's never going to show up, but I feel bad because I know she did everything right. I did everything right. I get it. The post office lost the package. Somebody at the post office is enjoying their new. Yes, that would be my guess. Anything that (laughs) looks like a vinyl record, I would be like, oh, let's open this. This could be something good. And it's because it arrived somewhere and then it just didn't. But I, you know, my first message to the person I bought it from was like, well, go to the post office. They have a, a form you can fill out for lost mail. And I don't know if it's possible, like the the tag fall off. It's like, I didn't know the address it was being shipped from. I didn't know what it looked like, 
But if you start one of these mail searches, if you sent it, say, in a purple box, you know, and the label fell off, you could be like, well, describe the box because there's obviously in the last location, wherever this made it to. Describe the box. Well, it's about this big. It's brown cardboard. Uh Uh-huh. Which maybe, but it's like, tell me, you know, it looks like a vinyl record. Give me something where they could be like, well, yeah, we've got a package like that here. You know, this is actually an argument to always like just have your kids give your kids a bunch of of watercolor markers and hand them the box before you box it. Yes. Be like, yeah, it has a drawing of a a crude dinosaur on the side or something. Yes, you'll find it. See, even if the label falls off, you want it to stand out. There's a picture of a family in front of a house and uh, and the kid is stabbing his parents. Yes. And by the way, my seven year old is not very well adjusted. He used to live in Detroit. Yeah. But you never know. I mean, or, that's it. You want to stand have out. Kids just just print a CSB comic on the side. Oh, then. Yeah, that that long. Not not the lewd ones, though. Do not go to CSB. LOL and print one of the lewd ones. Oh, out. yeah, because line art boobs are against most terms of service it would offend the postal employees entirely and as much as i think that would be a bonus you might compromise your ability <laughs> to get it delivered yeah you want you want your mail to stand out just in case something goes wrong but when they went to the uh the seller she just sent the same tracking number to paypal and it's like what do you think that's going to do for you the tracking number shows it wasn't delivered i don't know people are not logical anymore you don't say it's, it's that's why they come here. They I, listen to grumpy old bands. They hear about things. 229 episodes. And that's your takeaway. Yeah. People don't know what the people fuck they're are doing. Just not logical. People are not logical, including the people on this show. They are nuts. No, no. And they're, they're assholes to boot. Well, yeah. I mean, you would think that that would generate a much bigger donation base though. I'd like to think so. Do we need to be bigger assholes? Where's the big asshole boosts? Yes. Come on. Come on. Somebody with the big asshole boost. Woo. But not prostate. We don't need that anymore. Yes. Well, what would the the prostate boost? That topic is is expended. Yeah. We're not going back to the prostate, guys. We are not going back. Not. Not going to do it. Unless the boost is big enough. Let's be honest. If the boost is big enough, we could do anything. I'm not. I'm not interested in, in some kind of the promotion, a prostate boost promotion. That would be, <laughs> it would be too commercial even for us. Yeah. Unless we're sponsored by some kind of drug. Out Unless of it Pfizer. works. Right. Get a prostate. Yeah, I mean, if it got us money, then yes, please. Yeah, that's it, man. I mean, we'd even, if Bud Light, if you're out there, man, we are ready to, to do some ads for the yeah, low, I, low price. Hey, I, I'll, I'll do Bud Light promotion. If you want to pay me and give me a, you know, custom can, I, I will, however, draw the line. I'm not going to dress up as a girl, which means I'm probably not on their radar. Yeah. You, well, you may be now, they may be changing their, uh, <laughs> who, the, who, which influencers they're looking for. I do for not want to end up on the wrong end of kid rock. No, no, he gets pissed off, man. I'd rather party with kid rock. That would be epic. He seems like a uh, a fun guy, and I may have mentioned before on the show, my buddy TC that I worked with for a few years when working for that one country music artist, she would spend a lot of time at the recording studio where uh, Richie Kid Rock would come in and said he was the nicest, sweetest guy that you will ever meet, which is always good to hear that about people that you enjoy their music. You know, and not only nice, but he would come in to the people that are working in the studio. I mean, nobody that 
you know, this isn't like, well, we're just kissing ass to the people that can help us. It's like, yeah, just the average person working in the place. He would remember their kids' names, what was going on. Like just a total regular average dude. Uh, wait, are you talking about human connection again? Because yes. that's out. I know. That's the kid rock likes a little human connection, I guess. I no wonder he's so antiquated. No wonder he hates Bud Light and yeah. all of the things that are around Bud Light. We want real human connection. You will find that indeed here at Grumpy Old If there's Bad. any way to facilitate human connection, it's alcohol. Yeah, well, this is true. It brings down the If only barriers. Bud Light had any. Well, if it didn't taste like piss water. <laughs> Do we got anything then, else? If it didn't taste like piss water, they wouldn't have any ingredients. Well, this is well, you got to you got to get uh, that mm, flavor from somewhere. Oh, what else have I got? Uh Apple getting hit by a class action suit over app store fees. Nah, not interesting. Um, Google gets uh, a patent award in a Texas patent court by a patent troll for quarter of a billion dollars. Damn. Yeah. Uh, uh, You know, not much going on here. Um, Google Chromecast was the topic, the patents in question. They had a patent on uh, uh, play control of a content of content on a display device. The patent offered a system for presenting and controlling content on a display device using a network, a server system coupled to the network, one or more servers and a display device. So they've patented the internet. Ooh, um, well that would be I a mean, good one to own. I hate Google more and I hate Google more than the next guy, but fuck patent trolls. God damn it. <laughs> That's the way business is done now though. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even get into Google ruined the whole World Wide web. And if you really want to hear my opinion on it, listen to angry tech news from yesterday. Cause I dedicated half the show to this. I, I, it got me, it got me grumpy. You were grumpy. You were angry. You mix those two things together. It's magic. Absolutely magic. Google is going to start deleting those accounts. You haven't been using though. So beware of that. I don't know good, if that's good. even worth mentioning. I thought the most interesting thing was. So, so the, the Gmail account that I was forced to create so that I could log into my first Android phone will finally be deleted. It will be deactivated. What I thought was most oh. interesting was it's not like they're deleting these and then making the names usable again. They're just deleting all of the, obviously everybody gets X amount of space in like their Gmail box and all that. They're just deleting all of that. And then they're, taking the sure. name so they can't be used again sure uh, the the resources that are being used up they want to reclaim but the data mining that lasts forever true and i just have to go through my list because this was my mo for creating any new website or anything for years was just create a new google account for it including for grumpy old ben's sure you know i think we have grumpy old ben's show or grumpy old ben's at gmail.com wouldn't be surprised. So uh, the problem is then if you rely on something like that or some, you know, and sign up then for another service, it's like, well, we'll email that to you. Well, I can't anymore. <laughs> yeah. Just make sure those old emails that they, either you log into and, them and use them, set up forwarding addresses, all of that. Then I guess they don't care as long as they're active. They don't care. But if you haven't been in your account for a while, they will and, delete. And remind me of uh, to, to rant someday about, services that create a single global namespace of all tokens and then uh, never do any cleanup. So as lo- as the service goes on longer, you end up having to create usernames like Darren 60531 Chicago 37 
exclamation point is yes. your username because because without the exclamation point, that name was already taken. Yep. People <laughs> grab them all, man. Or, or the poor guy in Dublin who the Olympic his boxer Amazon who stuff was sent. Well, well, that guy too. The Olympic boxer that has my you know the same name that wanted Darren O'Neill back in in the day, which wasn't that long ago. Oh yeah, or the asshole that keeps sending me you know the wrong using my email as his. Yeah, I still think that was so funny. I'm I'm hoping he got his money I, I, back. I still think you're a total dick, but it was hilarious. Yeah, why? Well, I'm I'm hoping he gets his money back, but at least now I know what his email address is because it was. Um, CC because it's yours. Well, no, because it, the, the one he was actually using. Oh yeah, which was there was like a three-digit number after Darren O'Neill, exactly like you were talking about. So it's like I don't understand how you forget the number at that point if you're signing up for something to not remember your Darren O'Neill five four three whatever it is at Gmail. How you forget the five four three or whatever the number was, I don't know. But he was contacting the company, and because. My email was the one that was originally used. They kept sending it, even though I don't know if they realized it was Timu. I don't understand if they knew what was going on or not, but he was trying to get a refund. And they're like, well, we tried to put it back on your card, but the card's no good. And he's like, that's because I had my card canceled because of this whole situation. And they, <laughs> I'm like, this is great. I never yeah. had access to his please, credit card. Be like, please just send me Bitcoin. Uh-huh. It's like, I never had access to his credit card. I mean, I was able to charge things on it because of the way the company allowed, you know, just to log in and go buy, 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 and not even say, give me the security See, and code. For that, for that, I assign like 15% blame to the company. Oh, it, for totally. This situation. Totally. That's why I will give Amazon props for a lot of the bad shit they do. Anytime you try to order things for a different address, it will have you confirm your credit card. Now, in this case, I was sending it to his address, so that probably wouldn't have worked. But in the grand scheme of things, he was going to get some annoying packages, which he had the ability to return for a full refund. So it was really just going to be a sign of, hey, use the right fucking email address. This was never meant to cause him any money. It was just meant to be like, hey, stop. You know, call me a paranoid tech Luddite, but I never... I always check the box of do not save this credit card. I do too. Given the choice, I would rather enter my credit card every single time than let a company save it and, and be authorized to just charge things. Yeah, I don't on Amazon because too much stuff I, my, for my parents subscribe it, and save, but I do it even with the grocery store that I order weekly. I put the credit card in every time. Do there, not there save. There was a brief time when I was actually getting the uh, the throwaway credit cards, like the, the prepaid ones. Yes. But it ended up being such a pain in the ass. I don't always do that anymore, but I still am not interested in letting somebody remember my credit card. Now that said, there's nothing that says they can't do it anyway. Right. Uh, because how do you but know I'm not who gonna to ask trust? them to, and I'm certainly not going to authorize them to. Who do you trust? Let us know, send us a booster gram and then tune back in again next week for another fun and exciting edition of grumpy old Benz. Until then, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac where I don't take the train because I'm not sure if it's bulletproof or not. And from America's left coast, I'm Ryan Bemrose and it is now safe to turn off your computer. 